Many believe that the battle line between the Imperium and its destruction lies with the Adeptus Astartes, the Space Marines. However, in a galaxy of trillions, there are relatively few super soldiers to stem the tide of greenskins, high fleets, and traitors. The line of destruction is held by the common soldiers of the Imperial Guard, the Astra Militarum, numbers in the billions. These are the regular humans, similar to you and I, that are the main bulwark against the foe. With las guns, tanks, and earth-splitting artillery, the war is fought. In the trench is where the Leviathan will be beat back. From underneath the tread of the Baneblade, super-heavy tank, will the traitors be crushed. From the human bravery of many, will the line be held. This is the Imperial Guard. Welcome to Talk About Tatooine. I'm Andrew. I'm Nathan. But we are twin brothers here to bring you what's new in nerddom and give colorful commentary on our favorite subjects. Welcome to our cantina. Grab a drink and settle in as we set course for realities beyond our own. Welcome in, everybody. Cheers. My refreshment for today is a mocktail because if you drink alcohol on YouTube, they will demonetize you. So we're not going to shoot for that. Um, so we're just doing some Coke, bitters, and lime juice, which is very, very good. What do you got? I... So we we try to record two podcasts at a time, and so I'm totally loaded up. I have two sparkling waters and <laughs> soda. Let's go. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not getting up. Yeah, I actually do have a refill actually waiting for me as well, so I totally get that. <laughs> um, I'll I'll try to cover up the label, but it's uh, everyone's favorite red and silver can um, <laughs> afterwards, because we're not monetized unless... They want to brand us, which I would literally cut off my left leg to be branded by a certain beverage company. Anyway, today we're going to be that, discussing. <laughs> give me that C. Yes. Um, today we're going to be discussing Imperial Guard, but first we're going to go into our starter questions. Make sure you guys stick around towards the end of the episode. We have some Warhammer and general nerddom news coming your way. What hobby work have you gotten done? So as you can kind of see behind me here, <laughs> my desk is a, an absolute mess. So oh my gosh, right dude. here, uh, sorry to my podcast listeners, but right here is literally a box of orcs that have no bases right now. I cut off over 30 different orcs from their previous rules bases because they used to be 28 millimeter bases. Now they're 32 and we're going into 10th edition in like three weeks. I am not going into 10th edition with the wrong size base models, even for my knobs. This is ridiculous. So I have terrain. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Sorry, not, yeah, it's even closer. So I have terrain all glued down to them. So you can see just right here that there's just this little pile right now. I have magnets coming in the mail because I needed more of them. So I'm very excited about that. I've cleaned up all the attachment points and then I'm hopefully later today or tomorrow, I'm going to be working on getting them all glued down so we have a game coming up for the 24th uh between space marines orcs and necrons and that will be our official last game of ninth edition and i need to actually be able to field my units so i am working very hard to get my army all ready for that weird that you say that you're working on a bunch of bases because i'm also working on a bunch of bases i've loved the hobby posts you've been putting up on tiktok and instagram i'm glad you like them because i've been spending a lot of time like just doing the hobby work and then i'm like oh shoot like i should probably like take two seconds out of my day to record like a quick short and just tell people what i'm working on because that's that's what people like to see they like to yeah. see what other people are doing by no means am i an expert painter but i really still want to share just what i'm doing just to show that you can make a halfway decent army with mediocre painting skills in my opinion uh, honestly send me your best friends in the Warhammer world, 
little bits of sponge. You can get a lot of really good texture out of little bits of sponge. Very cool. And no, we are not sponsored by Big Sponge. By Big Sponge. (laughs) All right, guys, before we get into today's main topic, we want to make sure we bring you a word from our sponsor, which is the Talk About Tatooine Patreon page. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can become a patron and support the podcast. It is our hope to continue to bring you the best product possible, so that support is going to go right back into the value of the show. Become a Patreon also gives you extra perks, as well as lifetime access to our Discord server. Consider joining the crew. Now, let's get back to the show. So there's one little inconsistency. I also wrote our next show sponsor, which is our Patreon page, and I said it was the cost of a coffee. You said it was less than the cost of a coffee. So clearly we have no idea what we're doing here on the show. We're totally well, amateurs. To be fair, my white chocolate mocha is $6. What? Yeah. If you go to Starbucks, <laughs> if you go to Starbucks, my white chocolate mocha grande is $6. Okay, that is accurate. That uh, The cost for joining our Patreon is $5. It's the only tier we have. We're not going to, we're probably not going to make a bigger tier. We might make a lower tier, but. When people are like, oh, support me for $100 a month. Don't do not do that. <laughs> I'll uh, take that in cash. Don't worry, guys. We'll take that in cash under the table. Thank you. Today, we are going to be discussing the faction focus for the Imperial Guard. Along with this, by the time this has been recorded, uh, Games Workshop has also done a couple of Let's Plays, or excuse me, battle reports for the Imperial Guard. And I went through and I took so, so many screenshots. I was like, ooh, I'll take some of that. I'll take some of that. That's going on the podcast. The guards look so cool. It's really, really hard for me to not look at these new data sheets and just be like, oh, well, I'll start a new guard army. Or, oh, I guess I'm going to start a new space marine army. And then I look at my bank statement and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be starting any army. I'm right there with you, man. I want to buy so many new orc models. But also, like, I want to really play a shooting army. I really want something that can just blast its way through the board. But also, like, orcs are going to be really good in close combat still. So I'm just like, I don't know. But I guess eventually, yeah, I'm saying same as you. I'm going to have to try to find the funds and maybe start selling some feet pictures of my own uh, to get some, oh get some new army going. We do, not have, we do not have a show-approved OnlyFans account of Nathan's feet. That does not exist. That is a rumor. It does not exist. You can't find it. All right, dude, let's do it. Um, We're going to dive right into the faction highlight here, guys. So we're going to be going over a lot of what the same template has been following. So we're going to be going over kind of the faction rules, some unit highlights, a, a few weapons highlights, and a stratagem spotlight. So keep in mind that by the time you guys hear this, the full index might be released. You might have access to every single data sheet. So yes, we're not covering it today. I currently have the Space Marine data sheet, or excuse me, the Space Marine rules open on my other monitor right now. It is 252 pages long. So (laughs) yeah, guess what, guys? We're not going through all of it. So we're very thankful you guys are all hanging out today. We're going to start off with the Faction Rules Voice of Command. This is the first item we're covering. Getting right into it. Officers from your armory are bellowing out orders in the command phase. The data sheet of the officer will outline how many orders they can issue so different officers can uh, do a different number of commands that you can do. 
Units must be within six inches to receive their orders, and you can choose from one of six different orders to be given to a specific unit. Now, keep in mind, Battleshock is going to affect this, so units that are Battleshocked no longer benefit from your orders. So that's kind of like another just notch in the belt for Battleshock, uh, along with the other main three deficits that it comes with, is they'll, they'll lose their orders as well. That's going to be a huge component for winning 10th edition games, is dishing out Battleshock and not being Battleshocked yourself. The first ability that we're going to look at is called the Move, Move, Move order, which adds three inches to your move characteristics of models in that unit. Movement is probably the one of the biggest things that is getting changed in 10th edition. Across the board, we are seeing updates to how things move, especially pre-game. So we're seeing things that are now being equipped with the scout ability. We're seeing things that are being updated with the infiltrator ability. These things didn't exist before. They might have in particular data sheets where it's like, oh, this unit can make a pregame move. But we're seeing a lot of changes just across the board of all factions are now just going to be a little bit more mobile. And adding a three-inch move characteristic on top of an already mobile unit Here's the thing. With all of this extra mobility, if you're not taking objectives in turn one, you are behind. Yep. Yeah, you got to get units onto the objectives. Yeah, if you're either deep striking or infiltrating them right onto objectives, or you're issuing them orders, if you're Imperial Guard, telling them you get another three inches, get on that objective. And just for reference here, guys, the base movement cade, or the base movement characteristic for like a battle line unit is usually about six inches for the Imperial Guard. So it's going to be a nine inch move to start. And then you can obviously add some advance onto that as well. That's huge. The next command you'll be able to issue is fix bayonets. Improve the weapon skill of all melee weapons equipped by models in this unit by one. This is going to be important because the weapon skill for the battle line units is a four up. So hitting on a three up is pretty nice considering these units have a very low toughness and you're probably only going to get one swing out of them, in my opinion. I'm like, they're not going to last long in close combat. I mean, that's huge. Like any extra damage buff you can get, any ability you can get that increases either your percentage chance of making those hits making those wounds or just damage ap those are good abilities you want to invest in because at the end of the day the only thing stopping you from holding objectives is is enemy units and enemy models and you want to be taking them down and with the sheer amount just the wave of green it's the human green tide you know because their uniforms are usually green We'll call it the pale tide or the shades of brown tide. <laughs> the brown tide sounds like diarrhea. We're not going to no, call it that. don't like brown tide. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm nope. so glad we got there. Add, yeah, adding plus one to a melee unit that potentially has a lot of models in it. Like Imperial Guard, like Guardsman models can be huge. Yes, so you can take units, you can take battle line units in 10 or 20. Gotcha, gotcha. I've only briefly read through the new core rules, so I'm still a little a little new to that. Uh, the next order we're going to look at is called Take Aim, where it improves the ballistic skill of ranged weapons equipped by models in this unit by one. This is the same thing as fixed bayonets, except for it's taking aim. And with Imperial Guard primarily being a shooting army, 
you're probably going to get more mileage out of taking aim other than fixing bayonets. If you have to fix bayonets with uh, an army that's not really melee, you're probably in a pretty rough spot. Sorry to, to break it to you, but guard doesn't like being close to the enemy. Well, and I always frame this when I'm thinking about this, I always frame this in how is this going to play against the army that I currently play? And I play orcs who do not traditionally shoot well. So I'm thinking if I was a guards player playing against an orc player, I would want to take aim first because I would want to kill as many of those models in the shooting phase as possible before they're able to close that distance and get into melee range. So I'm actually a huge fan of take aim. I'm going to probably use this if I ever end up playing Imperial Guard. I, I think that would be a good army for you. Definitely a good gunline army. Although you've been pretty interested in Tau, and I think you would have a lot of fun playing Tau. I like Tau. I like shooting stuff. Speaking of shooting, the fourth command is first rank fire, second rank fire. This is improve the attacks characteristic of rapid fire weapons of the unit by one. Now, again, skipping forward just a little bit, the rapid fire unit is actually the standard uh, las gun that the battle line units have. There are other rapid fire weapons as well in other units, but we'll be able to kind of suss that out more when we have access to every single data sheet. So again, Andrew, you've said this multiple times before. You said it like five minutes ago. Anytime you can add more dice into your pool, that is how you win games, is literally just rolling more dice. So I'm a huge fan of this one as well. Yeah, it's it's a really good way to really make any tabletop army at least decently functional is make sure they can reroll as many things as possible and reroll as many dice as possible unless you're orcs and then you just hit on a five up and you turn 20 dice into two so it happens so often i hate it <laughs> it's happened a lot next we're going to look at take cover this is great for the guard improve the save characteristic of the unit by one up to a max of a three up this is awesome because the guardsmen are meant to be expendable. We're even going to talk about they have a reinforcement mechanic because their their officers are like, listen, gentlemen, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, we, we do expect you to die. And we've just accepted that fact, and we need you to accept that fact as well. For the Emperor, charge! <laughs> and anyone who runs away gets shot in the back of the head by a commissar. Yes. It's so dystopian, it's a little funny. It does have a little bit of humor in it. There's definitely a sense of irony and satire to just how crazy things can get in the Warhammer 40k universe. Command number six is duty and honor. Improve the leadership and objective controlled characteristics of this unit by one. Just for reference, leadership is a seven plus on battle line units and a OC value of two on battle line units. So those are going to be really important because... If you need to reinforce an objective, that is fundamentally how you get points. So you need to be able to score points to win. So it's it's fairly important. And its highest OC gets the point, correct? Yes. And I believe, I'm assuming, I haven't read this yet because I have not had time to literally read through all of the core rules yet, is that if, I'm assuming whoever has captured an objective first, tie goes to whoever was there first. Out of the 20 computers I use on a weekly basis, the computer I'm on right now doesn't have the core rules on it. <laughs> I know. I have multiple copies downloaded to multiple devices right now, so I get it. It's We live in such a weird world. 
We might talk about that later or just cut that entirely. Next thing, we're going to move on to our unit spotlight of the Cadian Shock Troop. Somehow, Cadia stands, which is hilarious because it definitely <laughs> does not. Cadia For is sure. in pieces because the Black Legion just totally curb stomped them. <laughs> I don't. I really don't understand the battle cry of Cadia stands. It, it would be like the if people from Alderaan will be like, Alderaan lives, be like, no, it does not. They're so dead. Anyway, I digress. We're <laughs> going to talk about the Cadian shock troops. These are battle line units. So for most units, you can only take three units per army, unless they're battle line where you can take six. Also dedicated transports, you can also take six, which is interesting because I'm like, does Games Workshop want us to use lots and lots of transports? Like, maybe their transports aren't selling super well, so they're... Because, like, I never field my transports unless I'm like, well, I have no other units to field and I'm low on points, so I guess I'll throw my Impulsor in my Space Marine army. But may I, 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 transports are going to get better in 10th edition, so we'll see how that goes. There's not a huge amount of battle line units for the Imperial Guard right now. The only other options you have are the Katachan Jungle Fighters, the Death Corps of Krieg, which right now you can buy them in a kill team box or just your regular infantry squad. You can run them in 10 or 20 models per unit. That's a lot of bodies on the field. They're not huge bodies. They're one wound T3 models. So honestly, I are you going to run these in, in, in 10 or 20? Blobs 10 or 20? I would almost rather run these in blobs of 20. That just gives you more utility. And keep in mind, the commands are six inches from your commander. So when you have a blob of 20, they don't need to be circular. You can string these out a little bit, and that means you can cover more ground and be able to receive orders at the same time. So personally, I would probably take things of 20, but these run $50 a box if you're just buying them. So like 100 bucks for just 20 battle line units. I'm like, Games Workshop, please, what are you doing to us? I don't know if you ever keep track of Games Workshop's stock value. There's, the UK stock market is way different. So their stock value is like 6,000 pounds per share or something insane like that. But that's also still a lot for that market. Games Workshop is hand over fist making money. They're so profitable. And it's because of crap like that. <laughs> Well, and it's because basically every unit they have, how it works is if you guys don't know how a sprue works, is it's basically just a mold that they dump plastic into and then they open up the mold and it's like, hey, guess, guess what? And then they jam it into a cardboard box, have Amazon ship it out, and they just made 50 bucks. Yep, which probably costs them 10 bucks to make, and most of that is labor. <laughs> anyway, uh, I agree on running these guys in tw uh, squads of 20, and that's because they're harder to battle shock if they're in bigger units, because one of the automatic times you have to take a battle shock test is when you're under half strength. Well, if you only have 10, you get battle shocked if, you, if five models are killed. Well, if you run in a blob of 20, do the math, you have to lose twice as many units before you take a battle shock test. And that is thematically understandable. If you're in a small squad and half of that squad gets eviscerated by a swarm of Tyranids and now there's only you and two other buddies left, you're going to feel a lot more scared unless like a volcano cannon takes out 10 of them, but you still have 10 left. You're like, no, we're still going strong. Let's do this, boys. I mean, if somebody shot... Can you remind our listeners how you take a battle shock test just for those who haven't heard yet? 
Yeah, so a Battleshock test is going to be taken in your command phase. So before it was a morale test and then a bat or a combat attrition test, those are gone. I hated those rules. They weren't really intuitive and I had a hard time understanding them. But you'll actually take a Battleshock test in your command phase. You roll 2d6. And if the d6 is higher than your leadership, you pass the Battleshock test, which makes sense. Everything in 40k, you want to roll high. That's that's just always the case. In ninth edition, this was the only exception for leadership tests is you actually wanted to roll low. And I'm like, but I... It's not intuitive. It's not intuitive. Like, I'm not a dumb person. I am reasonably intelligent, and I could not wrap my head around this. It's like, why would I want to roll low? That sounds dumb. Yeah, if you keep in mind the uh, leadership characteristic for these units is seven up, and if you know how d 2d6 dice work, seven is the middle number for rolling two dice, and so it's giving you roughly about a just over a 50% chance to pass your test. So, which just totally makes sense. The Imperial Guard do not have this insane bravery literally melded into their genetics. They're not on some psycho chaos stimulant that's making them not be able to feel fear. They're like, no, they are mortals and that's it. Yep. That's <laughs> so like if they, you gave us a las gun and a helmet and you were like, hey, Go shoot Tyranids until you die. <laughs> You're like, I'm scared. <laughs> I have so many questions, and I have bone spurs and don't want to do this. <laughs> For the Emperor, brother, <laughs> as they hand you your last gun. <laughs> you now serve the Emperor. Be like, I don't want to. And then they would just kill me, and that would be the end of it. Welcome to Grimdark. Although, as far as getting <laughs> drafted by the Imperial Guard, I'm closer to the size of an Ogryn than I am an Imperial Guard. I'm not a small person. They'll just give you a shield then and a club. <laughs> Which would then be too heavy because I'm not actually an ogre. I'd be like, I can't lift it. And then I would still die. <laughs> you could also run two additional weapons for every 10 models. This unit has so much war gear you can choose from. I honestly get a little annoyed by having lots of war gear because I'm like, oh, I have to make one 10 rolls for one unit. I want to just pick up a handful of dice and be like, these plasma incinerators, there's 10 of them. There's three shots apiece. Here's 30 dice. I don't want to be like, okay, well, this dice is for a plasma pistol. Let's roll it. It's like, that's so obnoxious. So maybe that's part of the strategy for the Imperial Guard. It's just, I'm just going to wear them down. They also have a, a, a war gear ability called the Vox Caster, which gives you the ability to regain CP when using stratagems. I was listening in onto the Art of War podcast or live stream this morning because they were talking about Space Marines. And I guess in 10th edition, you don't start with any command points. You start at zero, which Ooh. I have not verified that in the rules, but I'm like, oh, that's rough. So anything that's now going to give you command points is going to be extra, extra powerful. I've definitely played games where I've used like nine of my nine command points in turn one and just would alpha strike my opponent's largest unit on the board. And granted, I would still go to lose those games because I put myself in such a strategically negative space that they were still able to beat me, but it felt really good to just be like, oh, you have the Silent King on the board. I'm going to shoot it down with an Astraeus tank by, you know, hitting it with the Dark Angels version of a marker light. I digress. Moving on to our next unit spotlight here, guys, is probably one of my favorite units because if I'm going to play Imperial Guard, I'm going to try to have tanks. 
if you guys have 170 US dollars sitting around, then you too can <laughs> afford this beast of a model, which is the Bane Blade. So oh, this gosh. contains the Rolling Fortress ability. This gives infantry models the benefits of cover when those infantry models are only partially visible, or those infantry units are only partially visible to enemy units. So really, really cool. Andrew, if you had to take a guess on how many shooting profiles the Bane Blade has, what number would you say? Probably similar to the Astraeus tank, so like four. Let me scroll down. Oh, it's more than that. It has seven. So the nice thing is, is that <laughs> this is actually the same armament that you'll see in ninth edition. There's a few different changes that we're going to see with this, and so we'll go over these in the data sheet right now. One thing you'll see is you'll see a toughness of 13 on this model. That means it got a plus four in its toughness compared to ninth edition. Vehicles are tougher. Yeah. Vehicles are getting stronger. Weapons are also, yeah, yeah, excuse me, yeah, tougher. I need to make sure I'm saying the right words. Thank you. It's pretty good. You're also on a few of the weapons here. You're not going to see the keyword turret weapon anymore. Turret weapon is basically being replaced with the global big guns never tire ability, which means, uh, and I'll just read it off for you guys really quick because it's pretty simple. Monster and vehicle units are eligible to shoot in their controlling player's shooting phase even while they are within engagement range of one or more enemy units. This is big because it's a vehicle. It does not care if there is a thousand orcs around it. It's still going to fire those weapons. Ranged weapons equipped by monster and vehicle units can target one or more enemy units that are within engagement range. So they can shoot stuff within engagement range, which is really, really cool, even if other friendly units they are also within engagement range of. Or, sorry, excuse me, even if other friendly units are also within engagement range of the same enemy unit. So if, it's really, really good. So they're going to just start blowing stuff up. Each time a monster or vehicle model makes a ranged attack, if its unit was within engagement range of one or more enemy units when it selected its targets, unless the attack is being made with a pistol, subtract one from the attack's hit roll. So that is pretty much summing up what's going to be happening with that. So basically, if you're in engage range, and unless one of your tank weapons has the pistol keyword, which it usually doesn't, the only pistol keyword you're usually going to get is if there's an officer in a Lehman Rust tank, and he's shooting like a LAS pistol or a bolt gun from the top canopy. So that's going to be kind of the only like really situation I can think of that you're going to be able to use that. So this is going to be really, really good. The Bane Blade has pretty good attacks characteristic. But think of it this way. It's like you are trying to hit your target. And the in my headcanon, the brain explanation is all these gunners are now trying to select their targets, but they're moving around. They're crowded. So it has a minus one to hit. So it's either trying to shoot in or out, which is going to be pretty cool. That's really good. Uh, additionally, it's not listed here, but you still cannot fire into engagement range weapons with the blast characteristic. That's not listed here, but it is listed under the blast rule, which is the same from 9th edition. Yes, which many of the weapons on this uh, data sheet do have. So you have to take <laughs> that into consideration, which means oh. those weapons would need to be fired outside of engagement range at other units, which is good. So that means the Baneblade cannon, Demolisher cannon. Yeah, those two are going to be fired at other things, which is going to be pretty cool because uh, the Baneblade cannon has a strength of 12 and the Demolisher cannon has a strength of 14. So that's a it's lot going to be doing a decent amount of work. We do see six less wounds on the Bane Blade, but at first when I saw this and I was looking, comparing between the 10th edition and the 9th edition data sheets, I was a little worried about this. I was like, oh man, six less wounds. That's, that's 
that's a big chunk. So if you go from 30 to 24, you're losing 20% of your wounds right off the top. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't suffer nearly as much from the effects of being bracketed. So your damaged rule, which they don't have brackets anymore, we've done away with those, but it has the damaged between one and eight wounds. So you have to take off 16 wounds to get it down into its damaged characteristic or mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm still tempted to use the word bracket because that's kind of what it still is, but it doesn't have full like different stat lines. It's basically just like, hey, uh, you need to subtract one from the hit roll and that's it. Yeah, so, which is and it so much better OC. than being bracketed. I was a little worried that this was going to be a huge nerf to the Bane Blade. Um, and as a model that's $170, I'm like, don't nerf it. It already costs way, way too much. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually got a little bit stronger. It is... Uh, that's a lot of money to spend for, I mean, it still has 24 wounds, which is a lot, but could be better. Yeah. Then we get into our weapon spotlights. So I'm going to talk yes. about the first weapon spotlight because I gave you the more fun one because I Thank already you. got to talk about the Bane Blade. So I'm going to let you talk about the Volcano <laughs> Cannon. So yeah. we'll start off <laughs> We'll start off with the Lehman Rust Battle Cannon. So this is the main gun that you're going to be seeing from the Lehman Rust tank. Now, if you guys are new to warhammer please like you're only everyone's allowed one but you can only say lemon russ once so you after that you have to say lemon because that's how it's pronounced so i prefer lime russ myself nice um so that's well we're here for the comedy i know you guys stay around for the comedy but um so we're just going to take a quick look through and see kind of what the changes are to this it's mostly the same uh the range is going to stay at 48 inches the attacks is D6 plus three, so all the way up to nine attacks, which is going to be pretty good. Ballistic skill, four up, pretty much the same. The strength value is going to increase. Again, this is consistent with vehicle weapons that we're seeing across 10th edition, and it also is going to lose a pip of AP as well. So instead of being a minus two, it is now a minus one. This is also consistent with what we see across 10th edition as well is things are getting a higher strength value but lower ap value so keep that in mind when you guys are taking a look at that there was too much ap in 9th edition too much ap you were just you were just deleting people save characteristics like not even giving people a chance um and as an orc player i'm a huge fan of less ap so that's a huge thing uh it's still a damage orcs have such a bad save it's so bad if you're not in the wall you're basically like you're going to get shot off the board uh, a six plus for those of you who don't know is often referred to as a t-shirt save um, because the only thing between you and that bullet is a t-shirt so today you learned pretty much uh the damage characteristic is going to stay at three for the battle cannon which does it does put its overall damage maximum all the way up to nine times three which is nine attacks plus three unless you're targeting a big unit of infantry because it does have blast so you could potentially get an extra attack or two in there so you're looking at like 27 damage if you rolled perfectly without adding blast even up to like 30 or potentially 33 damage but these aren't mortal wounds so again you're doing a lot of damage, so you, like, do you really want to shoot this into an infantry pile? Not really, because you're not going to be able to kill a whole unit of battle line, uh, a whole a whole unit of battle line soldiers with just one attack. So keep that in mind, but... But you could battle shock it. You could battle shock it, absolutely. And then shooting this into elites will be really nice because if for some reason you're playing against necrons which i can't imagine why we would ever do that you might run into some wraiths or some destroyers and things that might need a little bit of extra slapping yeah over overall the lehman rust battle cannon it's a solid gun it's really good it's probably going to be able to reach out and touch pretty much anything you want 
It's got a solid ballistic skill. Four up is is fine. Um, but with that strength 10 AP minus one, you're going to be able to erase a lot of things from the board. Next, we're going to talk about the Volcano Cannon. This is one of the variant weapon options that you can build in the Bane Blade kit. So first off, uh, <laughs> your notes, hilarious. Sploosh times 99. Dude, this thing is this thing is called a Titan Killer, and we're going to find out exactly why. It is a blast weapon, so you could fire it into some infantry. <laughs> you Please don't fire this into infantry. That is such a waste. It also has the heavy keyword. Uh, they did drop its total range from 120 inches to 96. Honestly, it's unusable now. I don't even know why you would even pick this. Uh, Only 96 inches? Ridiculous. That is farther than I am tall. Yeah? Yeah. I'm 75 inches tall. That's like, hey, I'm going to use this volcano cannon, but I'm going to shoot it at the table playing next to me. <laughs> like, that's what you're doing. You're shooting it into a completely, completely different universe. Yeah. You're like, I'm at a table at a tournament, but they're doing a Titan walk over there. And I, I just I just need to kill that chaos nemesis Titan. It looked at me funny and now I'm going to kill it. And you can with this weapon with only seven payments of I don't know what 170 divided by seven is. I don't know why I said that. Uh, it has D3 plus one attacks. So this is a nerf. So your maximum amount of attacks is now going to be a four instead of a minimum of four. It was D3 plus three. Now it's D3 plus one. That feels bad. I'm not a huge... I mean, I'm a fan of this if I'm facing one of them. I am not a fan of this if I'm thinking about buying one, <laughs> which is, yeah. It has an ungodly strength number. Strength 24. This will burn through literally everything. I don't think we've seen something with a higher toughness characteristic of 20. This can literally kill anything. It's got AP minus 5. So if you don't have an invulnerable save, you will get the full damage amount, which is 12 damage per shot. I mean, we're looking at a maximum of 48 damage in a turn. That's a lot. It's it's not enough to bring down a Warlord Titan in a single turn, which would feel so bad. I'm thinking this would be more useful against like if you're playing Chaos Knights, for example, because you still have those really high wound models and being able to take one of those out would feel honestly really good. Yeah, I mean, to be able to cut out like a fifth to a quarter of your enemy's army if they're playing knights, because knights are expensive models. They're several hundred points apiece, even for the small ones. Being able to kill one of those in potentially even turn one, like if you have line of sight, it it's dead. You can kill it. This is the kind of thing where if you roll a D1 on your attacks, command re-roll that, that bad boy. Yeah, you, you need every single one to go through. A little fun fact as well is the Volcano Cannon has a strength of 24. And my brain was like, I bet I can find at least one weapon that has a stronger strength. So I just looked up the Tau Railgun. The Tau Railgun, take 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 a guess. Do you think the Tau Railgun has more or less strength than the Volcano Cannon? <laughs> Judging by the dumb little smirk on your face, I would think that it has a higher strength than the Volcano Cannon. It has a lower strength than the Volcano really? Cannon. The Railgun, the Tau Railgun, one of the most infamous weapons for being just an absolute, like, I wanted to say something really inappropriate there, but I don't want to uh, <laughs> censor myself, is it is, it's a strength 20. It's a strength 20. Which is Keep still mind, bonkers good. 
as bonkers good. But both of these have an AP of minus five because these are like, <laughs> again, these are Titan killers. You need to be taking these on your invul, your, uh, your invulns. Um, and the railgun doesn't do nearly as much damage. It does D6 plus six. So you're leaving it up to RNG to get your full damage characteristic of 12. Mm-hmm. This one just has 12. It's like, yeah, if you hit, it's 12. If you wound, it's 12. What's the, what's the attack characteristics on a railgun? Railgun? One. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's so much worse. Greater good, my butt. Yeah, so when we do our Tau update, (laughs) yeah, when we do our Tau update, guys, you're going to probably get me just like being super mad because I was, I love rail guns. I fell in love with these playing Mm. when we played Dawn of War and I'm just like, I want to play them on the tabletop. I want to like take a quick line and just be like, shoot everything with a rail gun. Now I'm not as excited. Now maybe I'll be taking my lines in the form of a volcano cannon. Who knows? That also means, again, do I want to be spending $50 on a battle line unit just to like have an infantry? And I'm like, no. So we'll see. We'll see. So eBay. Yeah. Fun stuff. eBay is the is the place to get your minis, which is also why I had to buy an ultrasonic cleaner because I buy a lot of minis secondhand. Most of the mini hobby stuff on our YouTube channel is me trying to take the godforsaken things people have done to the models that I buy and they'll be like, it's well painted. I'm like, I can't see any of the detail. You put so much paint on this. They're like, Oh, it's well painted. I messaged a guy and he had only primed it. And I messaged him and I said, uh, because I'm going to have to strip the paint, it's missing some of its war gear options. Uh, and I think one other thing, I ended up picking up a Redemptor Dreadnought for $20 less. So, Oh, I thought you were going to say $20 total. And I was like, dude, no. <laughs> I, I paid for I paid 40 for it, which is still way below MSRP. But I would, I, I would have been being rude if I had offered any, because he was trying to sell it for list price, which I'm like, absolutely not. I bet I can get them way, way down. And I did. If they've, if they've already touched it in any way, if it's been removed from the sprue, it does immediately lose value because you, you can't guarantee the craftsmanship of other people. Like you have to understand that when you're trying to sell secondhand mm-hmm. models. So I get that. Yeah. I think you were in the right to ask for that. All right. Let's move into our stratagem spotlight. We had talked about this just a little bit here, guys, and the Imperial Guard are oh, really buying into the numbers aspect where we're just like, all right. Uh, first and second squad are dead. Uh, let's get third third squad on the line and let's get them right back up in there. So the stratagem reinforcements is two CP. So keep that in mind here, guys. We did mention that you start with zero. So using two is kind of a big deal. So those Vox casters that hopefully have not gotten blown off the board are going to be very important. Mm-hmm. You can use this in any phase. The target is going to be one regiment unit from your army that was just destroyed. You can use this stratagem on the unit, even if it was just destroyed. The effect, add a new unit to your army, identical to your destroyed unit, in strategic reserves, at its starting strength, and with all its wounds remaining. So you're just like, hey, take that unit. It was now dead. Put it in the strategic reserves. You're good to go. Restrictions, this does not work on characters. So yeah. Which makes sense. That would be insane if you're like, yeah, that's, uh, uh, I'm going to bring in another Rebute Gilliman, or in this case, Lord Solar Leontis. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's in reinforcement, so I had a second one. It's like, isn't he an epic hero? It's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. That being said, uh, we do have the Lord Solar data sheet. It, it, it has 
Can we can we talk about that real quick? So the first one is Lord Solar Leontis. This is like the supreme commander of the Astro Militarum or the Imperial Guard. It has a 12-inch move because he's he's riding on his little mechanical horsey doodle. He can move quite a bit. He's toughness four, which is so much better than T3 of the Imperial Guard. He's got a three-up save, eight wounds, a leadership of six up, and an objective control of two. He does have the leader keyword, so you can attach him to a unit. Some cool abilities. At the start of your command phase, he gives you an extra CP. Already probably worth the cost. Yeah. He also has an ability called the Collegiate Astrolex. I've literally never heard of that. After you have deployed your armies, you can choose up to three Astro Militarum units from your armies and redeploy them, which is really good. I do like that. Uh, regardless of how many units you have in your strategic reserve. So redeploying is a really strong stratagem. That's actually one of the big things why people would play ultramarines because they could redeploy or they would, they called it rapid redeployment. They probably still can. And then it also, this officer can issue up to three orders to Astro Militarum units. That's really good. He's going to be like, okay, you're going to do better in shooting. You guys are going to do better in melee and you guys are going to take that objective. And he's got an invulnerable save. The dude is a good officer. He does have some ranged weapons. Oh, yeah. He has Soul's Righteous Gaze, which is a pistol with a 12-inch range, so not very far. It's got two attacks. It hits on a two-up, which is really good. It's Strength 8, which is really good. AP minus two, which is for a pistol. For a pistol, that's it. And then it has AP minus two damage too. Solid pistol weapon. He doesn't have a rifle or anything, so that's all you get. For melee weapon, he has Conquest, which is his sword. Six attacks, wounds on a two-up. Strength 6, AP minus 2, damage 2. So again, pretty solid is going to probably be able to dish out a lot of damage. And then Constantine's Hooves, which has the extra attacks characteristic that is this little horsey boy. Hopefully nothing ever happens to the horse. I get more sad when the horses die in movies than people because they're so pure and innocent. I mean, you work at a, a ranch, so you probably don't agree. I don't know. They're very sweet creatures. Yes, they're very sweet creatures. Uh, but they poop a lot, I bet. So much horse shit. <laughs> Uh, they have two attacks, a four-up weapon skill, strength four, AP zero, damage one. So Warhorse is going to do Warhorse things. I just like units that have big move characteristics. I'm all about that big M. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. No one says that. Don't try to repeat that, guys. Don't worry about it. That's so, that's so cringe, bro. Yes. All right, guys. Let's hop into new more news from the Net. Keep in mind, guys, data sheets are now available to buy. Buy. Is that right? You would put that in there, but I color-coded it. Or did I put that in there? Yes, you can buy them. So they are free online, digitally. You can also buy physical copies of the data sheets. Oh. Yeah. So gotcha. That, that's okay, definitely I was like, why would... something I needed to clarify. Because, yeah, we have the data sheets in front of us right now, and we did not pay for them. I wonder how much it would cost to just print those out. Anyways, that's a rabbit hole. I won't go down. Um, but yeah, you can get those apparently. Yeah, I'm hoping these will be because the data sheets look gorgeous. They look way, way nicer than the ninth edition. Uh, I keep wanting to call it a codex. The codexes are not out yet. I'm expecting these to be like full color, like really high quality, like a really good paper stock, like a really nice paper stock. Feels good and it's got a, it's got a good weight in the hand. Games Workshop kind of spoiled a lot of things for how 10th edition is going to be. So if you've gone on their website lately, you can now search by unit keyword, which spoiled kind of a lot of stuff. 
So it gave us like uh, which units are going to have the battle line keyword, which ones are going to have the scout keyword. Scout keywords, they'll have the ability called scout and then a, a move characteristic next to it, meaning that is a pre-game move. So if it has a scout six inch, that means before the game even starts, you get to just move it six inches for free for free. And then the infiltrator Ooh, keyword yummy. is uh, setting up on the battlefield uh, anywhere that's not in your opponent's deployment zone or farther than nine inches away from the deployment zone or enemy units. So that's pretty good, meaning you can start the game with units on the field if you so choose. And then there's also Deep Strike, which is the same thing. However, Deep Strike, you put them in reserves and you put them in play during your reinforcement step. So you don't have to do that before the game starts. The Infiltrator keyword is before the game. So that's a key differentiation. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend going through, sorting by whatever army you're playing, and then looking through the unit keywords and just seeing uh, how your how your army is going to turn out. Uh, yeah, there's some fun things for Space Marines that I think some units are getting way, way stronger because of. All right. If you guys haven't seen this already, uh, and not to say that you're living under a rock if you haven't seen this, but we did get an Ahsoka premiere date. So make sure everyone, you mark your calendars for August 23rd of this year. Hallelujah! Ah, it's going to be so good. I actually already added it to my calendar and then added you to it as well. So. <laughs> I know we should have like a watch party. It's happening. That was literally my first thought. Oh my gosh, twins. Okay, so this one is a news bit for me, but I I don't remember who D Squad is. So D Squad, do you remember Colonel Gascon? No, that's D Squad. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. So in the co the cover does not show Colonel Gascon, but D Squad is R two and the droids. It returns in Marvel Comics Star Wars miniseries Star Wars Dark Droids. So they're literally doing a comic miniseries about like the droid episodes that me and you have gone on record multiple times saying if we got rid of all the droid episodes we wouldn't be mad we'd actually be so much happier like when we do rewatches so yeah there's more comic material about it now so that that means essentially there has been enough interest in droid squad at epidemics and just shenanigans that people are like yeah can we have more please i don't know these people i don't think i'm related to any Listen, I try to be really positive about the direction that Star Wars is going. And for the most part, I like things. Who is the target audience for this? Like R2-D2, like this is probably what? The Rebels, because R2-D2 is there. It's not the Empire. Didn't these droids die, though? They blew up. Well, so this is all in uh, this is all in the Republic, I think. Oh, okay. I'm not entirely sure because it's a comic series, so. See, now I feel like I have to read it so I understand what's happening. But then I'll feel bad because I'm like, I can't believe I spent money on that. Okay, you should please move us on to the next piece of news before I have an aneurysm. Marvel Snap transitions into its new June season that pairs with the new movie Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So super excited about more Miles Morales content. Correct me if I'm wrong, you have seen the new spider-verse movie correct 100 would recommend excellent i have not seen it yet so thank you for not sharing any spoilers i appreciate that with a heavy heart we do want to report you've probably seen it in the news already because this happened a little bit ago but actor ray stevenson passes at age 58 
Ray Stevenson played Volstag, a member of the Warriors 3 and Thor, and in subsequent movies as well. He also has a role as Balin Skull in the Ahsoka show. He wields a orange lightsaber. He looks super badass, and I'm really just kind of heartbroken uh, that he passed at such a relatively young age. It's really hard to see. Uh, you want to see, you know, these people and franchises that we love live forever, but at the end of the day, they don't. And at some point, we need to learn to deal with death. Um, but our bearded battle axe wielding brother has passed from this life, and we wish his family just uh, all the condolences and love and prayers. Uh, this happened last month on May twenty first, twenty twenty three. Yeah. So, and sorry, guys, that we didn't include this a little bit earlier. I didn't see this in the news until we were writing this episode, and so I felt like this did deserve an absolute mention in the news because he is a very memorable character from multiple different franchises. We do also have more rumors coming out. Now, this is switching gears over to forty k here, guys. We have more rumors coming out concerning Henry Cavill. He will be leading the way in producing a Warhammer forty thousand live action series about inquisitor eisenhorn so this is going to be pretty cool and what i have heard so far is that he's going to be producing this movie so he's going to be letting this series get a little bit of legs he's going to be putting a lot of work into really making this shine and then as they continue to make more projects the room again rumor i heard this on uh from chapter master valorak the other day i was watching some of his stuff and once this goes well, he will be starring potentially as uh, the Custodes. Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Constantine Valdor. Constantine Valdor. Thank you. I was like, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I was like, it's a, yeah. So he, there's rumors that he's going to be doing that. Um, some people are like, he should play the emperor, but he's not because then he wouldn't get too much screen time <laughs> because the emperor's technically still dead even though he might be coming back if you guys listened to the last episode so all sorts of fun stuff there so very very excited all right guys thank you guys so much for watching or listening however you guys are consuming this content we appreciate you so much every single one of you watching is amazing leave us your theories in the comments share pictures of your models on twitter and instagram or shoot us an email at talkabouttattooing at gmail.com if you have a question you want featured on air make sure to subscribe to our youtube channel and on spotify and apple podcasts as well and google podcasts if you're listening there and like this video so that the algorithmic overlords will slice this video into the feeds of other like-minded folks until next time the Emperor protects. Close your eyes.